Hello! Welcome back to another episode of I Am. In this episode, I sit down with social entrepreneur and influencer Ui Omarekbe. In our conversation, we learned what inspired Ui to create NASA along with how he maintains a sense of self despite social media fame. I can't wait to share this episode with you all, so let's get to it. So, Yui Omorebe, did I pronounce that correctly? All right, so it's it's interesting. My name is Uyi. Uyi? Um, Uyi Omorebe. Um, but it's interesting. I let people call me Uyi, and then how I give them the um, the uh, the trainings, I say, it's like the name Louie, just with no L. So everybody just calls me Uyi. Uyi. So, yeah. So how Uyi. do you prefer like, people Uyi. to call you, just to make sure? If you are in Nigerian, then like we, because that's like if you, people are able to say Nigerian name. Everybody else calls me Ui. I, honestly, it's a different for me. Like you can just call me, just call me Ui. Ui. Ui is okay. good. Ui. Ui. I'll remember that. I remember that. And of course, I mean, I think that's sort of like a prerequisite within um, like Nigerians is just to be like, hey, how do you actually call like your name? How do you actually want it to be pronounced? Because <laughs> their life, I mean, for example, my last name is Ekeze, but mm-hmm. Through life, I've just gone through a keezy because it's it rolls off the tongue. People yeah. get it, and I don't like to fuss. So yeah, I totally understand the name. The exactly. name. <laughs> I've had to like create different denominations of my name. Exactly. Exactly. To, but, right. um, yeah, we. Okay, perfect. Got it. All right. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, tell us about who Ui was before Naso, and you know what inspires you today. Yeah, of course. Um, Hello everyone, my name is Ui Omorigbe. I am a social entrepreneur, um, a social media um, influencer, and um, first-generation Nigerian-American. Who I was before Naso and after, I think has been quite consistent. I've kind of been the same person my entire life in terms of what I care about. Um, but as you'll probably hear on this podcast, um, I just found different ways to um, sort of express the things that I care about and different methods of achieving uh, my goal and my dreams so um so yeah awesome what inspired the ethos of naso um and when did you decide to create naso so talk about like the time frame you know how mm-hmm. you- yeah so um like most nigerian uh children i was under the impression that the only um four options in life were doctor lawyer engineer then like you know disgrace of the family i didn't even know what i was like a job was like aside from that then you know, i guess people that worked at the store like that i went to like i didn't know anything right so i went to college thinking i was going to become a, a doctor that was really like my my whole um my whole plan with my life um knew i loved helping people sort of halfway through my experience at colgate i realized that i um you know really really loved entrepreneurship after being introduced to it by one of my good friends um and started reading a bunch of books read like probably like 30, 40 books in a summer on entrepreneurship, all these stories. And I was like, I couldn't put it down. I was like obsessed with it. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, I want to start a company of my own while I'm in college. It's a great time to do it. And it was during the time where, you know, African culture was really permeating to the Western world very quickly and very successfully. And I think as um, a Nigerian growing up in America, uh, most parts, particularly the earlier parts of my life, you know, that side of my myself and that culture was always sort of made fun of and not really, you know, embraced upon my other, my peers, um, you know, who weren't of African descent. And so it was really interesting to sort of see that shift where now the world is really accepting and loving like African culture and Black Panther. Everybody's saying Wakanda forever, right? So I saw this huge cultural movement that was happening and I thought there was a huge opportunity to really um, pioneer that in the apparel space by, you know, like, um, you know, Black Panther like Afrobeats music, repackaging and rebranding African culture in a way that was digestible to people so people could really understand it and understand, you know, the fantastic things coming from the continent. And so that's what I ended up doing. I ended up founding um, NASO my senior year in college, you know, with the idea of really marrying, um, you know, uh, Western and African culture through design, story, and uh, community. Um, so that's, that's how I really uh, came to the idea. I was um, decided to, you know, explore the opportunity of manufacturing in Nigeria, um, really because that's the only way I knew clothes were made at the time. I, I, I majored in, you know, 
you know, economics and I was doing pretty med. I didn't have any sort of background in fashion. The only thing I knew about clothes is that when you go to Nigeria, you can have some tailors, you know, give the tailors some fabric and they'll, they'll make you some, some natives or whatever. So I was like, okay, like that's the only way I know how to make clothes. So I went to Nigeria um, and while I was there, you know, met with some local tailors to make some samples of some product and decided to go to the rural Nigerian village that my father grew up in, in Orokusa. I've never been there before. Or maybe I had when I was like one or two years old, but I had no recollection. And I went to the village um, just to see where my dad grew up, really. And, um, you know, we're going around the village and it was with my mom. And we decided to go to the, the, the primary school because uh, it was in the village as well, obviously. And, um, yeah, I went to the primary school. And obviously, I've seen poverty in Nigeria, but I hadn't really seen it in the education space that, like, clearly before in such a rural area. Um, you know, very dilapidated school, no desk chairs. I mean, limited desks, limited chairs, no windows, no bathroom, right? Um, met the teacher, met the students, and I, I personally love kids just in general. And I met the kids, you know, heard their dreams. Now we had all these amazing conversations about the things they wanted to achieve. And you know, met the teachers, and they told me about their struggles, and you know, no bathrooms, no, not enough resources to really teach the kids in a proper way. Um, I remember leaving there thinking, man, you know, I wish I could change our situation in some way, shape, or form. And on the drive back to my house from the village, I was like, wait a minute, like, what if I just marry this brand with this, you know, social mission, it makes sense to, um, you know, create educational opportunity on the continent. So that's what I did. I, I came back to the United States. And by the time I graduated, uh, we were able to build our first school um, in that village my father grew up in uh, through the sale of our product, which was good. So, so yeah, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love how you talk about, like, the ways you knew initially about making clothes which is through like seeing how our parents are the ones always yeah. sending clothes and fabrics and that is true that is sort of the initial way I sort of saw like design when it came to fashion is just how like it was always sort of like not necessarily behind a back door like it wasn't sketch or anything but it's just something that just was a thing that happened um in a mm. niche way so it's interesting how you talk about that what are the core values of NASO um, when it comes to how the products are ethically, are the products ethically sourced and how they're produced? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, for us, you know, I, I think about, you know, what I want NASO to be in the long term, which is this sort of economic engine of empowerment that will just run forever, right? And so in order to do that, you need many things. For me, when I first started off, I wanted to make everything in Nigeria. I wanted to, you know, everything on the continent of Africa, which is what we do right now. And, you know, as I started to think about it, I was like, okay, the infrastructure for, for fashion and, and production in Nigeria, for example, at least with the connections that I have right now, are very limited, right? It's very hard to build a sustainable business using those, those methods of production. So I moved production to East Africa and started thinking of different ways that we could produce at, at mass. And then still given COVID and the whole thing, it, it was creating a lot of problems. So, you know, for me, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, and as I have conversations with individuals, some brands really try to push a certain narrative and they don't really, they just want like the, they just want people to perceive them a certain way, but their, their intent isn't like very good, if that makes sense. So there'll be brands that say, oh, like we manufacture in Africa and then they actually do all their manufacturing in Asia. They ship the last thing just to be done in Africa and then they ship it away, right? Like I, I have no interest in doing that. Like I think about, okay, how do I build? A company that's sustainable, right? So in the short term now, we've manufactured everything in Africa to this point. But in the short term, short term now, I'm thinking, okay, you know, if we do manufacture outside the continent of Africa, how do we do this in a way that's like extremely sustainable and like we're actually giving back to whatever community that we're that we're manufacturing in? So now we're thinking about, you know, do we grow and scale um, manufacturing in in a place like India where there's where there's more infrastructure in that particular um, sector but at the same time we think about okay how do we grow and sustain our business and then we can continue to go into these communities in africa and have these made in capsule you know so it's a more sustainable way rather than us being like okay we need forty thousand units and they're like well we can't produce forty thousand units and in the long run they don't get a sustainable business and the, the business is like doesn't even exist you know what i mean so it's thinking about you know what really matters and for us that's making the world a better place and it's providing economic opportunity and educational opportunity um, in areas that really deserve it in a way that's sustainable and has longevity, right? So that's the way I really think about, you know, how do we create a product 
um, let's do as much as we can on the continent of Africa. Let's create as much sustainable, you know, employment on the continent of Africa. But let's do it in a way that's sustainable and not just chasing a headline that's people say, so I can say, oh, you know, we manufacture in Africa. Look at all this good work we're doing. And in two years, the company doesn't exist and the people we're helping are still going to be there in that same situation, right? So thinking about how to build um, a strategy, a production strategy that's that has longevity and can actually impact lives over the long run, because that's what we're in the business of doing. I love how you talk about that in terms of capacity building and also creating an infrastructure for a company like that to operate through year through through what I assume is a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Um, is there have you also thought of slow fashion, like how you would be in terms of the actual fashion industry? Do you see yourself actually producing things consecutively within a year, or how do you actually go about production in that regard? Mm, like slow versus like a fast fashion brand that's just continuously like churning things out. For us, you know, as I said, NASA is about uniting people through design, more importantly, story and mm. community, right? So whenever we draw products, which will probably be you know, multiple times a year, probably two big collections a year with different, you know, um, different collaborations going on throughout the year. But whenever we drop a collection, it's about what story can we tell and how do we actually empower people? It's not just for the sake of trying to be trendy and trying to release as many pieces of clothing as possible. Um, so that's kind of the way that I think about the, the um, and I'm not sure if you, you could consider that slow fashion, um, if you will, but I'm just, we're just very intentional in how we produce and why we're producing, right? It's not just like for the sake of fast fashion, how do we you know, create as much as we can for as little as possible and sell it for as high as possible. Um, that's not really what we're in the business of doing. It's about storytelling, inspiring the next generation um, and creating quality product that people love and a community that people really wanna be a part of. Perfect. Um, I wanna congratulate you on making your million dollar round. I know that in terms of just from what it seems to be as a company, but what does that mean in terms of <laughs> in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does operations look like for your company moving forward? And also the fact that you're hiring, I'm not sure if you're still hiring, um, but mm-hmm. just little things like that. Um, and you can also touch on your recent trip to Nigeria um, since mm-hmm. SARS and, and Black Lives Matter. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely great for us. Um, it's it's been a lot of hustling. I mean, that's just like the idea of, of being an entrepreneur in the early stages. You don't have a lot of capital, so you always have to go out and find creative ways to solve your problems with, like I said, with, without having the resources really. So now that we have some resources to better grow and scale the business, it's, it's definitely um, fantastic to have. Um, and, and, and yeah, when it comes to, to um, hiring and stuff like that, I think one of, uh, one of my favorite quotes um, or just saying this is by Steve Jobs, and he was talking about how, you know, it's it's the, the smartest thing to do is to bring on people that are way smarter than you and that have way more experience than you that can further, because like, that's the point of hiring people, right? Like, I don't know how to do this, or I can do this to a certain extent, but I need somebody who has all the scars, who has all that experience, who's done it before, we can come in and make immediate impact. And so sort of building a team with that ethos and, and thinking about people who are extremely experienced and have you know, the, the, the track, the track record of growing and scaling companies is, is huge. Um, and so augmenting that with sort of, you know, my non, um, linear approach, not really non-linear, but non, um, the word I'm um, thinking of is, is, is evading me now, but it's just not a classic approach to how you should grow and scale a business, right? Like most people don't think go on TikTok and piss off your parents to grow and scale your business, right? But like I have those type of creative ideas. So augmenting those ideas with with logic and and back end sort of um, sort of um, resources is huge. So so yeah, that's that's from that standpoint. Capital allows you to unlock that sort of side of the business. And um, in terms of my recent trip to Nigeria, I always loved going to Nigeria. It was very interesting going there during COVID. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy place. But overall, you know, I was able to meet a lot of creatives because we shot a lot of content there. So I met a lot of creatives, videographers, um, photographers, you know, producers. Um, was able to interview a lot of youth in, in Lagos who are doing incredible things. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just an amazing experience going there and seeing how, you know, how vibrant that particularly in Lagos, how vibrant that community is and how many stories can be told from that community that the world just doesn't know. And it's really exciting when you think about it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, always a fantastic time going to Nigeria. I enjoy it all the time. And this is definitely like the most independent I felt going there because it was just me and you know, 
Ubering around Lagos by myself. I'm meeting all these people. So it was, oh, it was that's yeah, so it was, cool. it was awesome. I feel like a true, I feel like a true Nigerian on my last trip. So it was <laughs> um it was great. Hopefully, like at some point too, that'd be super cool to see like the new creatives that you actually can showcase. Would you showcase them through Naso or like through your own? Yeah. Team? Yeah. So that's something that we've done. We I held like a I think like three or four interviews or so with, oh, with cool. um, some, you know, there's there's one artist who you know, does scribble art and she talks about, you know, what inspired her to start to start um, doing those type of um, that form of artwork. We've had, you know, some guys who were, you know, with some video creators. We had some, uh, this guy who started this huge block party and then and Lagos had like draws thousands and thousands of people. They have like major laser, all these people like, you know, performing. So like the people who are really game changers and change makers in their communities and are um you know just going out and doing things sharing their stories with the world and hopefully inspiring others to go out and do the same that's really um the notion behind you know that type of content that we're going to start releasing very soon um so yeah so dreamers and doers basically exactly dreamers and doers Sweetness. we want to get as many of those people as possible how strong do you find the need to affect change in the Nigerian community, whether that be here in the States or within the African diaspora? Um, and especially so within like the Gen Z and late millennials, mm. you know, how important is that is to you? I think that, I genuinely think that we have our generation, like the Gen Z, the millennial generation has all the capabilities of transforming Nigeria, of yeah, essentially transforming Nigeria, transforming really um, the world. I mean, you, you see it how, as I mentioned, like Afrobeats music now, it's like absolutely insane to me. Like these young artists from Nigeria, I'm sitting here in New York and I'm seeing people, I'm hearing cars with going by blasting their music mm -hmm. and before, and like, that's such a powerful thing. I think that a lot of people take that for granted because before it was people in Nigeria listening to American music. And now it's people in America listening to Nigerian music. And that is absolutely insane. Like that's an insane thing that that sort of flip um, is, is amazing. So I think that there's a huge, 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 um, you know, cultural shift that is happening. And I think that the way that our generation, maybe it's because we have access to social media, better, quicker access to information, information spreads quicker, but we're a lot more aware of what's going on and people are not afraid to go out and make a difference and, and make a change. And for me, it's just about, okay, we have all these very talented individuals, both in the continent of, of Africa, in the country of Nigeria, um, you know, in the diaspora, but how do we sort of get everybody moving in the same exact direction because um, I truly believe that if you have a group of individuals who are bought into the same exact, you know, um, goal, the same exact mission, and they're moving in concerted action, and they're doing things, and they're further augmenting each other's efforts, that's how you really create change on a large scale. And it's by doing that, you have to bring everybody together and move them together, and that's how you really do it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way I really, I really think about, you know, what Nigerians can do now to really transform um, the Nigerian culture in itself, because right now it's 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 tough. It's tough, you know. Like there's there's politicians and there's all these different cultures mixing together, and sometimes it's hard to find that unity. But I care more about I want to actually do something, you know. Like it's like about like how do we actually implement action instead of just talking about it all the time. Everybody talks about it. Everybody's like, oh, well, we need better government. We need this. We need this. It's like mm -hmm. okay, well, how are we actually going to do it? Like we can talk about it all day and say all these things about how we want Nigeria to be better, but like, let's actually invest in communities. Let's actually go out and, you know, lobby behind people who actually reflect our, our beliefs and, and, you know, implement change in that way through action. Um, and I think there's an incredible opportunity to do that by leveraging social media, by leveraging all these incredible um, Nigerians that live around the world in the diaspora, just about bringing them all together and moving in the same direction. That's, that's the biggest um, hurdle and, most exciting one as well because if you can achieve that then you can change the world like very i mean that like very very much so i think the other issue too is having a community that is organized around effective change and mm -hmm. we also talked about before about having benevolent leaders those who are willing to actually be leaders not for the sake of themselves but for the sake of an effective nigeria mm -hmm. for example so would you see yourself maybe at some point supporting a cause like that or at least like creating or sort of being a vehicle to that mm. i mean yeah for sure i think 
for me, I, I just, and this is like one of the main pillars of Nassau in, in general, is like, I believe that the youth, what is the youth of Nigeria, the youth of the US, the youth of, of any country really is like the future, it really is. And like the way that we, we set an example for the youth, and like I said, instead of just talking about it, actually going and investing in these communities and showing that we're behind them, that's how we really enact change on the, in, the, in the long run. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I could definitely see myself, you know, I definitely see myself, you know, supporting anybody who is fighting to create the communities that they wish to live in. If that community that they're wishing to live in is improving people's lives, then I'm always going to be in support of anybody doing that. It doesn't matter if you're in Nigeria, if you're in the U.S., I don't really care as long as you're advancing and trying to make the world a better place. Um, but, but yeah, I can obviously, I can see, I can see myself being, um, lending myself in whatever way possible to help people do that. For example, like this podcast, like you're a young Nigerian, we don't know each other prior to this podcast. You just reached out saying, Hey, like, this is what I, I want to do. I want to highlight. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's just like my, my philosophy in general, when it comes to, um, to people who are trying to make change really. So UE is basically like the yes man for like the Nigerian community, basically like totally down. Yes, exactly. 100%. <laughs> so do you find that your brand makes a socio-political message? Um, and I already asked you about capacity building, but mm -hmm. how does that actually empower voices in Nigeria and can change? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great question. I do see Naso as, I think as Naso continues to develop and as we continue to grow and the stories which start to tell become more and more apparent and more and more clear, that that sort of message become more and more clear as well. Um, like for us, like I really, really, like I said before, I really, really care about cultivating the youth, cultivating their voices, uplifting their voices and doing it in a way that actually like enacts change in those communities. And um, sorry, I just started talking. I completely forgot the question. I don't know where I was even going with that just now. Oh, it's okay. No, <laughs> the, question, the question, you're already touching on it. You're totally fine. But okay. it was just basically how your brand is a social political message and can empower. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I would say, I would say Naso is, is less about, I'm not going to, we don't care about us telling you to, to advance a certain agenda. Like I'm never going to be like, I will never tell anybody what to believe or, or like, you need to do this. You need to do this. I'm, that's not what we're about. It's about me saying, listen, whatever you want to do in this life, whatever dream that you have, whatever change you want to make in the world, it is possible. Believe in yourself. Go out. We'll help you. We'll help offer whatever resources that like I'll, I'll interview people who are who have done it before you to give you that inspiration. I will invest in communities like like if you're if you're thinking to yourself, oh, like I would love to do this, but we don't have the education infrastructure to do it. Like now, so it's like, okay, let's come in. Let's actually try to transform this community. Let's give those people resources to go and do those type of things, right? Or like, you know, people don't have recreational activities, so they're going and joining cults and doing all these different things, right? Like how do we, you know, create alternative situations where like maybe I partner with an NBA basketball player. Let's create a basketball court where that serves the community or something like that, right? Like how do we basically plant seeds of, of innovation and plant seeds of hope and plant seeds of of really inspiration within people to think, wow, you know, because the greatest, the craziest moment that I had was after we built our first school, and this one little girl who literally, I think there's a photo of her right there on the floor because I have my car. This one little girl that I met literally changed my life in that moment when she was like, when we built that school, I saw it like unlock like this. She suddenly felt as though things were actually possible for her, like like oh wow, like I, I can actually like do this or like you know what i'm saying she wanted to become a nurse afterwards and she was like yeah like i'm going to become a nurse Uli. like look i can actually go you know what i'm saying like that that sort of transformation just by you know somebody coming into a community and saying hey like i believe in you guys they knew i didn't have any money when i first got there i was just like a normal kid right but like i told them hey like whatever you guys want to do dream it you can achieve it and then nine months later i came back and i said hey guys like listen i didn't have anything i'm not like some rich guy that just came and gave you guys money but my dream was, I want to help you guys do this. I came here and actually did it. See, anything is possible. That's something they're like, wait, like, why, if you can do it, why can I do it, right? Sort of recreating that sort of, um, that experience over and over again is what I really, really care about. And to do that, you know, you need a sustainable business and you, like, I want to create an engine that runs for a very long time. Like, I, I'm, I have no interest in just grabbing a headline and sort of like, oh, he's a nice guy. He, he built that one school. Then like, what happens after that? It just goes away. Like, no, I have no interest in that. So- do you plan on building more schools or at least partnering with other education systems in Nigeria? Yes, I definitely do. I, I, 
that's one thing we're thinking about right now. Like, what is the best way to really enact change, right? I think education, there's the biggest return on investment in education, which is why, like, you know, you could literally see it through data. Like, an extra year of schooling yields X amount in terms of economic output for that individual, right? So, like, how do we sort of create these systems that are that are self-sustaining and and yield the most result um, and the, the most impact? Um, so, schooling and education is definitely something we still want to be very, very you know, um, involved with, whether that's building the actual school in itself, whether it's, you know, creating, um, you know, training for teachers, any of those different types of things that yield the most result. That's what we really care about. But not only focusing solely on education, like I said, extracurricular activities, like how do we, you know, create soccer fields for kids who just want to go out and play that give them a place to go. Um, it's that sense of community. And how do we connect them with people who can actually teach them like, hey, like, you want to do this, this is how you do it. And like, this is like, I'm talking about like big influencers, like like big Nigerians who come to these communities and say, hey, like, I come from a very similar background as you. If you want to be successful, this is what you do. And like, I'll be here to support you, yada, yada, yada. And people really care about that. Like I've had conversations and they want to do those type of things, right? So um, very long-winded answer to your question, but but yes, yeah, so definitely want to um, focus on education and start exploring different methods of of creating change in these communities. It also sounds like you would be interested in mentorship and creating those sort of brotherhoods and those sisterhoods. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the the overall vision for now. So like creating a, a community around the brand. So that's what I really, really care about. It's like people who want to make a difference in Nigeria or want to make a difference in the world at large. Like, honestly, I don't care if you're Nigerian. I don't care if you're Ghanaian. I don't care like if you're just American. And like if you want to join a community that's trying to make like change in this in this um in this world like naso is the place that you should be shopping that you should be like you should be involved with like we're going to be that that type of brand you know what i mean um so so yeah yeah it's, it's, it's interesting i think i forgot your question again when i start talking no no, like, no 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 you're like it's honestly totally fine i would <laughs> like to just leave room for my guests because i could also get i'm actually really jazzed about this but i'm trying to like be subdued and very <laughs> arbitrary um so no you're totally fine one thing i was going to ask you earlier is the design process so mm -hmm. are you the genius behind the design or do you have someone who helps you come up with the designs for each piece and stuff like that yeah so i guess that's another element that that um fundraise has unlocked for us because before it was me doing the design oh. and i say one thing and i and i also find it interesting because I found out that you played soccer too so oh, yeah. it's just an athlete going it sort of reminds me of like Serena Williams how she's like super amazing <laughs> but she also like does design as well so yeah. I thought that was really interesting yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I don't think I was as good at soccer as Serena is at, at tennis, <laughs> but you know I'll, I'll take the comparison I, thank you <laughs> I'll take the comparison for sure no but um but yeah in terms of design I was the person that was doing design initially but you know, I have no design background, right? So now it's like, I know what I want the brand to really look like, but I wasn't able to communicate that through the product in itself. So now that we actually were able to you know, raise this capital, now I have a team of you know, designer, production manager, those type of individuals who can actually better articulate, um, I guess you're not articulate, but translate you know, the branding that I have in my head into products that are a reflection of that, right? And so you know, one thing I wanna achieve through the design of Nasho is this brand that sort of reflects the, the diaspora really and and that reflects the duality between being you know african and being american because i think that's a very interesting dynamic there um and i think sometimes people feel as though like they're not really american or they go to nigeria and they feel like they're not really nigerian it's kind of like you just don't know which one you're supposed to be part of and so the design is supposed to really explore that and show that the two cultures can really live in harmony within the same the same vessel i guess if you will but but yeah that's that's the way i approach design and i think that you know, even the design that I was doing before, I think generally when it comes to, to African fashion, we think very singularly. We think about like these Dutch wax prints, which by the way, are produced in China and that, that we pay for in the markets. Like they're not even produced in Africa, which I found <laughs> out, which is, which is like very troubling to me. And that kind of flipped my world upside down. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, just, it's just crazy. So for me, I'm thinking, how do we sort of re, rehash that and think, okay, does African fashion have to look like this? Can it be just as American as it is, you know, African? Can we be more subtle in the way that we incorporate this, this, um, this African culture? It doesn't have to be like all these Dutch wax prints that are all over the product. Like what if we 
you know, found other inspiration in terms of stitching patterns. And we're looking at Agbadan thinking, okay, like look at the stitching pattern. How do we incorporate this into a more contemporary style, right? Like all those different types of things by making it modern, like I said, making it digestible, making it cool. Cause I feel like if you have a product that you absolutely love and the community and the brand that surrounds it, you love even more, that's a very powerful thing. And so that's the sort of harmony that we're trying to achieve um, through the product and, and through the branding and community as well. Sounds like your design process also is really intuitive because mm. the fact that you talk about the in-betweenness of being Nigerian American, for example, either mm. not being Nigerian enough or not being American enough, um, I would imagine it could also show the tension between those two ideals. Mm. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what we do through the product, through the storytelling, through the, the content marketing. Those are the type of conversations that we um, that we really want to have. So so yeah. Awesome. That's like really interesting to see that conversation play out through design. Um, mm. I mean, I feel like fashion tells a story naturally anyways, but I'm really particularly interested in that story itself, the in-betweenness of being Nigerian American or being just blatantly American, mm -hmm. a little bit of African. So mm. that'd be really interesting. I'm very excited for that. Sounds Thank cool. You. Thank you. So let's transition to TikTok and galvanizing social media. Um, how did you utilize TikTok to advance your business? I feel like that's a huge headline right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, TikTok was was really blowing up in the beginning of the pandemic, I guess, because everybody was inside. People started just creating videos out of boredom, I'm assuming. And people kept sending me videos on TikTok, like funny videos, interesting videos. And like, when is this app? Like, I just like, all right, you know, I need to download it. And it was after, you know, I had a pop-up shop at Banana Republic and I was going to do this whole, you know, retail strategy with them and stuff like that. And COVID had just cut all those things like just out immediately. So my strategy went, went to shit really, uh, excuse my language. But, um, but yeah, I, I was looking for a way to really grow a digital audience without having to spend any money because I didn't just didn't have the money to spend. And like I said, saw TikTok becoming more and more popular was like, okay, you know, I want to build an audience of my target market. I knew all Nigerians, Nigerian Americans, Nigerians all over the world. I knew would really think this stuff was funny if I could make, you know, because we all have that those experiences with our or with our um, with our African parents. I knew people would really find it funny. I knew they'd share it. I knew they would, you know, really really engage with the content. And so I was like, okay, let me make all these funny videos and hopefully let's see if I can gain traction. I was expecting maybe to get like ten thousand followers. I mean, now it's three point three million. I wasn't expecting that, but it ended up working in the end, right? Like I ended up. I just knew the people who I wanted to be associated with would think it was very funny and would like probably interact with the content, if that makes sense, right? Like I started a podcast before I, I did TikTok. It's very similar to you. And I was bringing on like, I had some guys at Snapchat come on, like an executive at Snapchat, like some NFL players, NBA players. But most of the people I was reaching out to, this is when I had like 2,000 followers, whatever, maybe less than that, like 1,500 followers on Instagram. Most of the people I was reaching out to, they just wouldn't get back to me ever. They're like, hey, like, would you do this? And I'm like, man, like, I guess in order for them to actually want to talk to me, I have to be on a similar level, I guess, or status as them for them to be like, oh, bro, yeah, I know you. Like, let me, you know what I'm saying? And that ended up being the case, right? Like after, you know, we started doing really well on, on TikTok, that's when people like Dwayne Wade started reaching out. That's when I have all these like Nigerian artists reach, like SZA, like all, all these, although SZA's not Nigerian, but like SZA, like Toby, Inigwe, like all these people were like, hey man, like, you're so funny. I love this. This is like so relatable. And now that opens up the door to say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to, you know, hop on a podcast or hop on a video and inspire some kids to go out and like tell them your story, tell them how it's not like linear success is not like, you know, I feel like most people see a citizen and think like, oh, well, she was always so talented. That's why her journey was like easy. And like, it's not like that at all. You know what I mean? So sharing those type of real stories and getting them involved in the brand in that way. So that's kind of another upside of, of, of leveraging TikTok, but it just increased our visibility in general. And um, I knew that, you know, you knew me from those videos, right? Like that's how like we started getting connected. So I just knew people who cared about the same thing, um, people who would be drawn to that. You no, know, I knew that people who would, be, who would be drawn to that content would care most likely about the same things that I cared about, given that it was African parents and stuff like that. So that's kind of like the strategy behind um, utilizing TikTok. I'm such a nerd for your videos, at least initially. I haven't been watching lately, um, but early on, I just loved how candid and raw, but also just like the tension between the fact that your dad, I mean, Nigerian parents are serious people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they laugh, and but I feel like there's a dark humor to their humor. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, what I really loved about yours, and we've talked about this before, how wholesome the content is, is just like you're obviously just trying to have a great time. And yeah. then they're just like on a whole different like sphere. I just think it's so funny to see like your dad's facial expressions and then <laughs> you just literally just being yourself. Like it's like if I ever want to just like have like a laugh, I will go back to your video. <laughs> like it literally is like a it's it's great. It's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so one thing I also want to get into is the kind of son you are, but this is this question has changed because now you've also allowed your dad to be sponsored by Adidas. Let's talk. Oh about yeah. That. Is that <laughs> no, actually a thing? No, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I don't know if it's like a long-term sponsorship, but you know, Adidas <laughs> had reached out and they were like, Hey, like, we absolutely love you and your dad. Uh, my dad always wears like one of my videos before I'm like yo Adidas sponsored yes, yes. Joe, he was just wearing Adidas head to toe and so they reached out and they were like hey Ui like we saw your videos first of all they're so funny but we'd love to actually like hook you and your dad up with a bunch of Adidas gear and like send you all this stuff and I was like dad do you want some free Adidas <laughs> shoes and stuff and he's like do I want a free Adidas shoes and stuff so yeah I mean that's kind of how that that unfolded it was pretty funny and it was it was fun um but what kind of son I am in general um I don't know, but I'm a family guy. I like when everybody's happy. Um, like you see a lot of the comedy that I that I do in these videos. I do very, I mean, granted, I'm not like really pissing off my African parents. I'm making them laugh more often, but um, I like having that sort of atmosphere in my family. So whatever I can do to sort of advance that, you know, without making my family members laugh or just, you know, just being around and, and bringing some good energy there. That's what I care about. So um, I hope I'm a good son. I hope they'd say I'm a good son, but I think they would. I think I I would hope that you are. I mean, it looks like it is you are because one, you have the sponsorship for your dad. Two, you're also working with your sister behind the scenes to create oh, yeah. <laughs> family. Like it's wholesome family Nigerian content. I feel, and of course, of course, you're gonna have that reaction from your parents. Like, of course you are. Like, <laughs> does he know? I think we talked about this before, but I kind of want to say it here. Mm -hmm. But does he know about his facial expressions? Um. Yes. Yes. I mean, what's funny is that I've. I've always sort of made fun of my dad's expressions to him in a friendly way, obviously. <laughs> um, like my entire life, right? Like, and it was funny when I, my older sister got married in 2018 and she asked me to be like the MC for her. Oh for my life. God. No, that's, that's actually, that's yeah. like, like, that's legit. That's actually pretty <laughs> yeah. like great. Yeah, it was funny. It was, and it was a great event and literally 95%, and this is kind of what fueled the idea for TikTok as well, but 95% of my content that I was like making jokes about were, all about my parents and the relationship <laughs> with my sister and all these crazy things that we were thinking about when we were younger you know like like there was this one time when we were doing this thing where um the wife would raise her hand if she, if, if the statement was true for her the husband would raise mm -hmm, his hand mm -hmm. if it was true for him mm -hmm. and said who's more strict and then my sister put up her hand and like the husband agreed that she would be like a more strict parent and I was like, well done, dad, like, well done. Like, that's because of you guys, how strict you guys were with <laughs> us growing up and stuff like that. And how we say, oh, like, let's go to a, like my dad, like, I want to go to a party. It starts at 10 and he'd be like, we'll be home by nine. And I'm like, that doesn't make um. any sense. It starts at 10. <laughs> and he's like, well, then looks like you're not going. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> well looks like I'm staying home. Right? Like all those different types of funny stories um, were, were being told and, and everybody was dying laughing at them. So that's when I knew that, you know, African parents were really, really, really funny overall no they are funny not because they try to be funny but just by nature they are exactly. funny. like just exactly. naturally that's, and that's why it's the best that's why it's the best because they're funny and not on purpose but just in their nature in no. general so that's like why there's great. there's so many times you can just be sitting somewhere and if you think about something your parents do you just start laughing because yeah 100%. they're not trying to be funny it's just that they are funny and I think they know like they know that's why they think they're cool too <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired your music choice in your tiktoks they're very choice very punk music punk. choice was i just knew that they would just not understand it like they just it doesn't make any sense to them like like <laughs> emo music and i knew that a lot of the kids who or people who would resonate with the videos would know these songs and they would bring up moments of nostalgia in their childhood as well so i think it was just a perfect combination of you know nigerian parents being naturally funny and the songs bringing up nostalgia and the combination of the two i think were just were just magical and that's why the videos did very very well so 
um yeah the song choices were just all my favorite songs when i was like i don't know like seventh eighth grade like i just love like lincoln park for some reason like i think like a transformers movie came out and like lincoln park was like the people who were like doing the soundtracks and i was like i love this and i just I became think- very like obsessed with them Lincoln Park for me was like Twilight during that spirit, like, yeah, exactly. like that level of angst. Unfortunately, I have to admit, <laughs> unfortunately. But yes, yes, yes. It was like seventh grade, middle school, very much into like my chemical romance for no reason to. Like you thought that like life was so hard for you, considering the fact that I mean I was sheltered and everything, mm. but you just found like the angst in the music that it presented. So I thought it was funny how you chose the songs. <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy like very I just knew very um I just knew that people would have a very similar experience to me like you just like referenced your own right it was relatable to you like oh my god I also had that that phase right and then you start thinking about oh like imagine if my I did that in front of my parents what would they do right like that's what that's when it starts becoming funny and then you want to send it to somebody else and and yeah that was like a really good um combination of, of elements there for the videos I feel like you're also sort of for some reason I'm also like thinking of the fact that you're like the Aaron Samuels of TikTok how like like the founder of Blavity am I crazy no 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 no. that was in Mean Girls how like she was like there was there was like the male lead basically but like there's that level of like nostalgia of angst that you present in your videos (laughs) yes yes you can look into it if you want but it like it just I don't know it's just something about it that just there's the similarities, if anything. Um, how has the previous year um, allowed you to reconnect with your family, considering that COVID and the pandemic, you know? It's interesting. I think that, I mean, I've always been close with my family, which is interesting. I mean, I've always like, I don't know if it necessarily changed our family dynamic that much. I mean, I guess like the TikToks becoming very, very popular was like a new and exciting thing that was happening. They're like, oh my God, this is kind of crazy. Like what's going on in that respect? But um, but overall, I think I've always had a pretty strong connection with my family and my 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 siblings and and yeah. So I think I was lucky enough to have had that sort of um, experience. But I think I've heard a lot of people who you know are sort of forced to be with their families in that in that time, and it really brought people closer together. And it, it did bring us closer together in that way because we're spending more time with each other at home and things like that. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was really fun. It was definitely a really fun time uh to, to be home with my family um last year do you feel like it's allowed you to have a renewed relationship like you understand each other's on a whole nother level now it's interesting i like i said i'm very much a family person so i i, I like i've always had that if that makes sense like i like having those type of conversations that i feel like most people wouldn't have with their parents but like i just like want to know more about them like i want to know like more you know what i'm saying yeah um so that's I wouldn't say necessarily changed that much, but I feel like if I wasn't that close with my family beforehand, it definitely would have given the, the, the circumstance of the pandemic and just just being in closer proximity in, in general with them. Um, what would you say to those who are struggling, struggling, excuse me, um, mm. due to a lack of sociability mm. presented because of COVID? It's, I would say just hang in there. I mean, it's, I mean, that's pretty lame advice, honestly, but, but I mean it though. It's, it's like, I feel some people get trapped into this constant cycle of, of days. I almost feel the same, like over and over again. It's like, you feel like you're caught in this loop and it's like very, it can become very depressing and very, um, you know, unpleasant. But one, I think we're coming out on the tail end of it now. Like, I think we're going to be moving back to normalcy within the next year or so. Um, but two, overall, I think, what it also does is it offers, you know, time for self-introspection and time to really figure out, you know, what means the most to you and like what you're most passionate about. And like, that's what I would really encourage people to, to do in this time where it's like, you can't go out and hang out with your friends all the time and don't, don't like make it feel like it's like, oh, I'm so alone, but try to restructure. I think that you can think to yourself, okay, like maybe I should find out more about myself. Cause I feel like most people don't actually, before the pandemic, nobody really sat with themselves really. And like just thought about like those type of things and had those like self-introspective moments. And I think, you know, having those moments can really change your life. Cause that's what happened to me, right? Like I, I was sitting down and I was like, do I really want to become a doctor or do I want to do something else that I genuinely, I mean, I would like being a doctor, but I, I genuinely love, you know what I mean? And sort of having that self-introspection is, is, is very key. So I would say to those individuals, hang in there, 
that um, this is not a reflection of what life is in the long run. Uh, mm -hmm. This is just um, a very weird and historically weird. I mean, it's like a crazy time in the world, honestly, um, in the history of the world. Um, but to, to remain optimistic in that the, the grass is greener on the other side and to really be self-introspective and think and learn more about yourself and figure out you know, what will make you fulfilled and give yourself something to really chase and be excited about. Like that's what life's all about. Like I believe like finding what you love and like doing whatever you can to, 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 to do that for the rest of your life. Um, yeah, and I feel like a lot of people don't, don't do that or think about life in that way. So that would be my advice. I think it's also a good time to create vision boards because mm -hmm. that introspection will definitely play into like creating a vision board. So also be crafty, make vision boards. Exactly. How do you stay grounded in the digital space, um, especially in the midst of success? Because you have been successful, thank mm -hmm. goodness. So how do you stay grounded? And also consider um, the fact that, you know, you have people like SZA hitting you up now. So how do you stay Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, sorry, I don't mean like well, you that do, way. You do know, because you gave yeah. me the perfect response a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, I did before? Uh, oops. I mean, I just, I, I think it's just who I, I am. Like I told you like kind of earlier in the call, I, I know what I care about and I know what fulfills me and that's really helping other people. That's why I, that's why I wanted to become a doctor, right? So for me, and when I realized that all these people, they're just normal people, like how you and I are talking right now, like there's, if a, normal, if a random person has came in here and started looking at us talking, just things, it's just two normal people talking. Like the fact that I have 3 million followers, like it's honestly irrelevant to me. Like that's what, that's the way I, I look at it, right? Like to me, it's like what really matters in life is can you make a difference? Can you be fulfilled? And yeah, can you improve the lives of others? And if everything I'm doing is surrounding those two, those three things, then I think that it will appear that I'm, I'm grounded or I will be grounded, I guess. But as soon as you start like leaving those things and you start thinking about, oh, well, I have these followers, so I don't want to talk to this person now. And, and that, that really consumes people, right? Because they are always seeking out outside validation. They, oh, I got verified now. So oh, I'm going to start following people who aren't verified. And I need to be looking like this, looking like this. And I think that's one thing that's harmful about social media is that like things can become very fake. People can become very um, absorbed and, and lose sight of what really matters to them. Um, so like I said, like that's self-introspection. I think if you really know who you are, that there's, it doesn't matter what happens, if you become extremely successful and you achieve all this fame, that, you know, you sort of stay true to who you are regardless, right? It's only if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you really care about that you start to try to impress other people to appear in some sort of way. And then you start really losing yourself. Um, yeah, so having that strong sense of self, I say, I would say is what really makes, um, make me appear to be grounded or I guess I am grounded I guess in that sense um but yeah I don't know if you just always want to help people if you always want to do the right thing and and help advance other people's missions forward I mean that's like what I'm passionate about genuinely so like that's like um like brings me like excitement it brings me happiness so um I guess and it just happens to make me seem grounded I guess I don't know I don't know what I answered last time that you you asked me this question I, I feel like it was a better answer but um but yeah I mean um but yeah, what did I say last time? No, I had asked because my concern was staying grounded through this process that I'm taking on this venture. Mm. And I just asked like what some tips are you would have. And you reassured me that I wouldn't, I well, there should be no concern. Mm -hmm. But I love the way you talked about the fact that I mean you kind of answered similarly, but you said basically it's like as long as you have a good head on your shoulders and as long as you understand why you are doing what you're doing and stay true to that throughout the process then mm. there should be no worries but it was along the lines i also have it recorded so if you want to listen to <laughs> how you responded yeah. i can definitely share it but no no how you responded was very similar to how you did all right perfect yeah i mean that that's that's really it right like as long as you know what why you're doing what you're doing and you're genuinely like not like you're just doing it just like if you genuinely care about what you're doing and as long as you remain true to that you'll never start to start doing all these other things. It's only when you start losing the real reason why you started doing it, you start to get seduced by, you know, all oh, these people know who I am, I need to appear. That's when you start losing yourself. And, and, and that's when, you know, things really start going downhill. So yeah, like I said, uh, after our conversation and the things that you cared about um, and hearing how you passionately talk about them, like I said, I have no, I'm like, why would she ever like not be grounded? You know what I mean? Like you can, you can pretty much tell based on what people care about and whether they're self-serving or you know or superficial i think it's it's you can tell after having a conversation
So I don't think you have to worry about that. Awesome. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And no, I think the same for you is just, I like the fact that you're the person who in some sense, I mean, you're still enthused and excited and I hope you stay enthused and excited even into your career because just having that passion for what you do is so special and so new and novel that a lot of people I think will just be jazzed by whatever you do so I'm really excited to see where NASA goes I can't wait to get to a point where I can start wearing NASA whenever I'm an older, a lawyer so I hope <laughs> it'd be like great threads um, of course you. of course of course um come fall I mean we're releasing some products but those are the ones that I designed within like a few um a few more weeks but come fall like when we actually have the the designs that we put together like professionally um NASA will look way 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 different than it does now right it'll be extremely elevated it'll be like night and day um and i think it'll really be a brand that people want to get behind and and really change the world honestly that's the that's the goal i mean i will say i wish i got a I got a bit of the boiler suit. That's the one thing that I was looking at. Uh-huh. Pulled out. I really wanted to wear the boiler suit. Like I really love that style. So I hope uh-huh. you can come up with a jumpsuit sometime in the future. Yeah, of course, of course. What can listeners look forward to for you, Yui, or you, um, and Ui? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, look forward to a lot of storytelling. And a lot of opportunities to to join a community and and be a part of something greater than yourself. Like that's I think that is the most valuable pro, like value proposition of 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 Nasso, right? Like I I want to create a brand that has a community extremely strong. And the the conversation that you and I are having, like I want people to be having that within the community, mm-hmm. like me with anybody who wants to just talk about this type of stuff, or maybe we have like a Zoom with like 100, 200, 300, or like a, you know, uh, a clubhouse or something like that, where we're talking about these things mm-hmm. and having people, you know, start to think, okay, like how would I be able to do this? You know, that's the, that's just the whole point. So um, be looking for some really cool storytelling, some really cool content um, and, and a brand that's going to, really be the the flagship of the diaspora really that's that's what we're building so um that's what you have to look forward to the flagship of the diaspora that's like that's strong that's strong yeah but i have high hopes for sure so i think you're definitely going to deliver well that's basically everything officially for the podcast thank you so much Riwi. honestly of course anytime anytime jen What an episode. It was a pleasure talking to Uwe and hearing his story. He's an exceptional individual that I'm sure will make a huge impact in this world. I hope you enjoyed the finale of season one of I Am. I've had an amazing time hosting conversations and learning how each of my guests maintains a strong sense of self despite life's inequities. I also want to thank you, the listener, for coming on this journey with me, and I hope you took something away from each episode. Until next time, much love, and as always, I wish you the best of luck in your journey of selfhood. Bye guys.